the way in time will be strictly adhered to. We have to, and the interest want people to come back in time with fish and have their fish weighed in time. They deserve to win if other people come in late, even with bigger fish. Our programme begins on a blustery Sunday afternoon in October at the huge artificial lake of Pulafuca in County Wicklow. We've come to take part in a pike fishing competition. It's an open competition that is, surprisingly enough, organised by the Dublin Trout Anglers Association. We arrive early, and so do the fishermen, but why are all the trout anglers taking part in a pike competition? I do a lot of fly fishing, I'm never in on fishes trust and all, and I have got some great uh, five and six pound rainbows down in uh, Palace, and uh, it was good there. And uh, I just come out, and then now in the winter, and you have nothing else to do, you could enjoy yourself, you know, at the pike fishing. So it fills in a slight time. It does, it does, and uh, there's always a bit of a laugh and a crack at it, you know. Uh, well, I only go pike fishing during the winter. Just to fill in the... Yeah, yeah just, just to fill in the gap. Have you been doing it for a long time? Oh, I've been over 45 years fishing now. You must have got some good fishing that yeah, time. Yeah, i got some good fishing. The heaviest trout I've got is five and a quarter pounds in the Liffey about, uh, about 18 or 19 years ago. Are there fish of that size in it today? Oh, there is. Oh, there is. I got a heavy one last year, £2.13 ounces. I won won the Cox Trophy with it last year. So would you say the fishing's got better or worse in the time? Oh, better. Better? Better, better better altogether. And what about pike? What's the best pike you ever got? Uh, £22.2 ounces I got them here in Paula Fuca. Was that a long time ago? No, it's about three years ago. So, so the pike fishing as good as ever it was as well? Oh, indeed, every bit. Every bit. Encouraged by the news that fishing was every bit as good as it was, we decided to have a go ourselves. We paid our 50 pence to enter and headed off to a spot on the lake we'd picked out on a map beforehand. The wind had strengthened to nearly gale force and the ripples had become full-grown waves. But we put up spinning rods and tape recorders and set about trying to win the first prize of five pounds. Soon we heard shouts of excitement from a group of Dublin anglers fishing near us. <laughs> I missed him the first time and he, he came back to it. We have the five of this week, haven't we? <laughs> Uh, has the whole lot gone? He's, uh, is he ten pound? He is, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Hope you're coming down the visa for a free drink, brandy. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it the first time that you've yeah. that you've been pike fishing? Yeah, very first time. And is that the first pike you ever caught? This is the second one. The first so, one's up there. So you've caught two already today. Yeah. And do you think you've a chance of winning with that? Yes. Yes. Oh yes. All the way. A beautiful pike like that and on his first pike fishing trip. Beginner's luck. We did no good ourselves, and nobody near seemed to have got anything of any size, so we packed up and headed back to the clubhouse to wait for the weigh-in. Some fishermen were already checking in their catch with the club officials. Uh, We have about a dozen people in so far, only three fish, but there are another 40 people still out, so... In the next 20 minutes, we should have a few more fish, I'd say. I only got on very bad, hooked one fish and lost him. And he was a big fish, too. He got in under a stump. How'd you get on? Oh, got one fish and lost a fish. How big was the one you got? Uh, three pounds, 11 ounces. Oh, that's, small fish. That's the best fish in so far, though, I think, isn't uh, it? So far, yeah. Do you yeah. think you're in there with a chance? Um, 
it'll be too early to say at this stage. I wouldn't uh, <laughs> put too much hope on it. And the one you lost, was it better than the one you got? Would you I say? don't know. I wouldn't you didn't be, see him I'd at all? I'd be quite honest about you, I don't know. Mm. Um, I ran him on the frog. Uh, he took the frog and I left him to feed on it. And he must have got under some dirt, some uh, roots of trees, because when I went to take him, I could feel him there, but I couldn't move him. So I had to break the line. About this time, things began to get very dramatic. No pike had been checked in, which was even half the size of the one our beginner had caught. But he was fishing five miles from the clubhouse, and if he didn't make it back before five o'clock to weigh in his fish, he would forfeit the prize. What we didn't know was that he couldn't start his car. But as five o'clock approached, there was an air of tension in the clubhouse. Approximately one minute to go to the weigh-in time... And still, so far, there's only three fish in. Have the others arrived? Ah, well, they've just made it, so. Nine and a half pounds. That's the big one? Nine and a half. Nine pound, eight ounces. Yes. Yeah. Want the two of them together now? The total, yeah. We have our results out, ladies and gentlemen, and the uh, the first prize goes to Mr. B. Clark. Uh, he had two fish. He had two fish, thirteen pound ten ounces, but it's the best fish counts, and he also had the best fish, nine pound eight ounces. And I'm very pleased to be yeah, yeah. first. To many people, that's what course fishing is all about. A trip out to a local lake when the trout season finishes and a light-hearted pike competition. But though Pulafuka is a handy place for Dubliners who want an afternoon's pike fishing, the cream of course fishing lies a bit further afield. We travel now to County Cavan and the urn system, a maze of little lakes and bits of river winding between autumn woods and low hills. Hugh Goff, a cavern man himself and the Inland Fisheries Trust expert on coarse fish, is going to show us how to catch a roach. Yeah, well, the depth out here would be about 10 to 12 feet. But um, I think that we would get a better class of fish if we went low. So I think we could fish at about 8 feet, 6 to 8 feet. And uh, there's, there's a river flowing into the lake here. Is there, is there still a current out here? There is a current. It might present a little problem to us. Um, because the current will move our line and we will have to be careful when we set up our float to keep the shot, which is the lead that we will be using on the line. The lead will have to be set very accurately mm. all along the line underneath the float so that the float will be set properly and we will be able to detect the bite quickly. Even if you mean even if a fish takes the maggot while it's dropping down yes. through the yes. water. Very often roach will take a bit just as it enters the water. So one would have to be able to detect that bite immediately. So I can afford a fairly heavy float, I you suppose. Can Something like this celluloid one here. Oh yes, yes. That yeah. that isn't very heavy, actually. More, got one. Here it comes. Small small one, I think. No, I, I think I've got... No, I have. I have got a roach bream. Yes, it's a roach bream hybrid, if you don't mind. Small one, weighing about six ounces. 
This is a hybrid, meaning a cross between a bream and a roach. Have you got one too? I've got a roach. A roach bream is, yeah. it, it has the characteristics of a bream with slightly reddish fins. That is, that the fins that the roach would have the colour. Quite a nice fish. I have a disgorger if you need one. Right. Now you just pull out the hook gently and we return it and put it into the keep. Net. The roach are a wee bit scarce at the moment. But I think, oh, I think that was a pike striking. So, if there is a pike around, ah, and I've got a roach. <laughs> I thought there were no roach, but because of the pike. But here it comes, again. Now, if there is a pike about, it will chase the roach very quickly. Another small roach, about four ounces, into the deep now. And um, the pike generally will chase the roach. And that was a good pike. This is a good water also for pike fishing, where you can catch them up to 20 pounds. If one is roach fishing at this time of the year in the autumn, you can stop roach fishing and go pike fishing, which can be great fun, of course. Uh, earlier on, we had uh, in this water here nothing only rudd. This is in the urn system. Uh, and um, about 10 years ago, we had uh, the first roach appeared on the scene. They came in from the upper urn system in Northern Ireland. And the waters here are bound in roach. These roach, uh, as I said, are only in the Munster Blackwater. But prior to this, the, the, the Irish people called rudd roach. And when, in fact, we were educated by the English anglers coming in here, who kept telling us in the years long ago that these, in fact, were rudd, uh, we found it hard to believe. But we did believe them. The older people now, of course, are confused entirely because we now have, in fact, the real roach in the water. And they, they still can't understand it because they claim that they were catching roach 40 or 50 years ago. In fact, these fish were rudd, which are a beautiful fish. They are, they are very similar. The rudd, in fact, is a very pretty and very beautiful fish with lovely red fins and golden scales. The roach is slightly different in that uh, it is more purpley, bluey, silvery type of colour with a dirtier red fin. So Hugh and I got our roach, 30 or 40 of them, I should think, and just to keep us interested, a sprinkling of small bream, rudd, gudgeon and a solitary perch. But with the exception of a grand bream of about three pounds, which was the last thing we were expecting, they were all small fish. After a while, things slowed down, and Hugh began hinting that we should think of bigger things. So he killed one of the roach he'd caught, mounted it on a piece of wire bristling with large treble hooks, and cast it out on a stout pike rod. Almost immediately he landed a small pike, and a little while later he got a run from another fish that was to give him some problems. This incident shows the skill and delicacy that a good coarse fisherman must have if he's to be consistently successful. Slowly retrieving the bit jerking it quietly and when I find a little pull on that I will relax and let the fish take the bit before I strike. I think I've got another run here on this. Yes, the line is moving out. It's running off. 
pike has taken it gently the pike goes you must not put any pressure on the line because if the fish finds a little bit of pressure he will spit out the bait quickly so you must give it a little bit of time and wait and watch the line very very carefully and see the line is now running out so I get ready for a strike pike is still there I struck and missed him but he is still there still gently nibbling the bait look at the tip of the rod gently he's taking it no no move tipping the rod the line is still steady he's still tip of the rod is moving little jerks nothing this is a very shy pike very gentle very shy I must be careful with it because if I strike again he will let it go look at the rod strange fish come on and take my bit big pike come come perhaps he has has already had his dinner but I will just give him a little gentle bit of pressure and strike I think I will strike him he has taken a bit of line out of my hand look at the line moving now He's running with the bait in his mouth. So I think it is time to strike. And again I missed him. I took the bait out of his mouth. Oh, I missed it. Perhaps he will come again. No. I'm watching the tip of my rod to see if there's any action. No. Pike is gone. No. I will take in my bit. I've got When the well when the pike was nibbling at your bait there and the rod top was moving, what was actually happening? He had the bait in his mouth? He had the bait in his mouth, but was not taking it. He wasn't running with it. If I had to strike at that time, uh, I would have pulled it straight out of his mouth. You see, you must wait for the pike to take it down into his mouth. What he was doing there, very likely, he was just nibbling it with the tip of his mouth. And uh, there were no hooks near the place where he was nibbling, so therefore I couldn't strike her. In fact, I did strike and got nothing. <laughs> how, how big is this bait you're using? Uh, this is about a six-inch, or rather a six-ounce roach. About six inches now. Fair size. One can catch big fish on roach at this size. Now that pike, that pike must have got a bit of a fright there when you when you struck and pulled it out of his mouth. Is there a chance he'll come again? Oh yes, oh yes. This is quite common. If if the pike is hungry, he will come back again. Yes, indeed. We, quite often this happens. You can miss them and and go back to the same place and get the pike again. Yes, I think I'm into another one now. You can see my line running off. I'm still using a dead roach, sink and draw. 
and yes, pike is on there. Line is running off. He's let it go. I think he's let it go. A strange pike. I'm gradually retrieving it. And he's still there. Look at the tip of my rod tipping. Quietly this pike. He's very gentle sometimes with these pike. Very gentle. Yes. I've got him. I've got him. Ah, he let it go again. Well, now. We've learned a lesson from this. What has happened here is that the pike took the bit, held it in his mouth, and found the pressure on and released it. Well, now, it means that my hook and the hooks which I had set into the fish were not set properly and were not able to sink into the mouth of the pike when I struck. So he has been reprieved for a very short time. I've got it at last. The one that has been evading me. What size is it? Oh. It's big, isn't it? Well, not a bad one. Has been nibbling at my bit. Ah, oh, no, a small one. No, no, I'll be able to lift it up. And the pike they put up. Not bad. This is a small, a small pike. He's trying to throw out the bait. I haven't. Good. Good. At last, I've got it. The one which has been annoying me for a short time. Now. I must be very careful to take out the hooks and not damage the pike. And when I do that, I will. I've now released all the hooks. Nice pike, nice and clean. It's a beautiful colour. Nice colour, nice green and spots in it. I will carefully lift it up, bring it back to the waterside, and return it alive and well. No, a little pike. And it wriggled itself away. Well, I couldn't let Hugh have all the glory, so I wandered off down the bank with a light spinning rod. A colleague of Hugh's, Kevin Lenan of the Inland Fisheries Trust, had joined us with his movie camera because he's making a film about pike fishing, and I was really hoping to catch him something worthwhile filming. And sure enough, after about half an hour, something which felt about the size of a Dublin bus grabbed my spinner and headed off into the lake with it. I shouted for Kevin and Hugh and set about trying to come to terms with the situation. Have you seen the pike? I've seen him once. I pumped him up once and he shook his head out of the water. There was no sign of the spoon, so I guess he's well hooked. But his head looks very big indeed. I'm hoping he might make 20, but that may be a bit ambitious at this stage. <laughs> very good. He doesn't seem to want to come off again. I might get a look it's a good fish. You're fishing with a light rod, Dick. So be careful. Right, yeah. But it's got a good spring in it, you see. Yes, so when he yes. shakes his head, there he is. Can you just see the shadow in the yes. water? So when he shakes his head, the spring of the rod. What's the light like, Kevin? 
Not bad, not bad. For a jump. I'll see if I can get him up. No, he's going off into the centre again. Picking should, up a lot of line now. Should run, jump now. Could jump. He's Could way out. Gonna jump. Kevin. I'll put some pressure on, that might bring him up. I'm just working him up on the spring of the rod. And then as I slacken the spring, giving him line. He's making another run. There he goes. Oh, you see him? Lovely. He's not 20, but he's a nice size. Lovely fish. Did you get it? Did you get it, Kevin? <laughs> That's what we're waiting for. Yeah. By God, I'm well, I, I'd say a good 15 pounds here. I want a credit from your film. <laughs> Once uh, we more. haven't got him here yet, though, because I'm using a very short trace and he's a spoon well down, so yeah. I'm afraid he's going to touch the line with one of his teeth. I think he's going to come again, Kevin. He's not quite as big as I thought he was in the first excitement of it all. Of course, they seem bigger on this tackle. Oh, smaller fish. It's funny, I thought he was bigger than that. How disappointing. That's a much smaller fish. I'll do it for you. you, you. Yeah, I'll do it for you. There we go. Um, hey, it's not bad, it's big. It's the biggest today, I guess. Now, don't yes, hurt yourself. 10, 12 pounds. 10 or 12 pounds. Do you have a scale? 12 pounds. So it's the biggest I caught, I think, and I'd love to know what it is. We'll wait. Well, that fish pulled the scales down to 11 pounds, a very pleasant day's work. But from Cavan, our exploration of coarse fishing takes us the length of the country to County Cork and the legendary Roach and Dace of the Munster Blackwater. One man has earned himself the unofficial title of King of the Blackwater. He's an Englishman who's come to live in this country. His name's Norman Berry and we're lucky enough to be able to go fishing with him on a cold grey afternoon below a weir on the Blackwater, which is within earshot of the traffic of Fermoy. I was curious about why he'd left England to come and live in the south of Ireland. I spent my life trying to catch a two-pound roach, or part of my life, in, in, in Lancashire, and in 20-odd years of fishing, the best I ever caught was one pound six ounces. Um, you can literally guarantee two-pound roach on this river at any time. Of the year. And is that the reason you came to live in Ireland? One of the reasons. Uh, I, I am a fisherman and to me fishing is the finest sport in the world. Um, Ireland is one of the best countries to live in from the point of view of no traffic jams, no very little pollution, uh, certainly fantastic fishing and uh, I like the way of life. I've been coming to Ireland for oh, 25 years now, and uh, as soon as I could, I came around and live here permanently. And I'm here to stay. <laughs> you just put two more maggots on the hook there, didn't you? And you're filling up this swim feeder again. Yep, small bit of ground bait, and again the usual maggots inside it, and the lid goes on. And see, the reason they won't come out until it gets on the bottom of the river is that the pressure of water as the whole thing is falling um, keeps them in. I see, and when it reaches the bottom and it's... Well, the water pressure's gone and they just crawl out through the, the holes. And so this is very specialised tackle, a swing tip on the rod to indicate the bites and the swim feeder to do your ground baiting for you. 
Well, yeah, quiver tip on the rod. It's a quiver tip. And uh, the shrimp feeder to give you the ground bed in the river exactly where you want it, rather than throwing it all over the river. Now you can see that's just gone in now. And if I'm right, we should have a bite, I'd say, within the next 10 seconds, which should prove a point that the fish are on the move. And there's your bite. I didn't get long to fish with Norman Berry, but when I was in the Cork area, I just had to visit the loch in Cork City. It's a mecca for Irish coarse fishermen, in particular because of the monster carp that live there. But when I got there, I found it was a large pond in the middle of a housing estate, with traffic all round, dogs barking, and mothers with prams giving the baby an airing. Most of the carp are caught by a small and very dedicated group of young anglers. One of them, Paddy Higgison, was my guide. Sometimes we go dancing on Saturday night and come home at about two o'clock, and rather than go to bed, we get chairs and just come out the lock and ground bait up and fish from, say, three o'clock right through until ten o'clock and go to mass then, get a few hours of sleep during the, the daytime. Or during the summer then, we fished from six o'clock on, six o'clock in the morning, that is. And this is the best time, really. It's the quietest time. You find that everything is peaceful. And the fish also seem to like it, so no complaints and all that. Now you're, you're a specimen hunter or a spe specimen fisherman. What does this mean? Um, I'm only interested in big fish, all kinds of big fish. N no small fish, no medium fish, just big fish. Um, I don't fish for a number of fish. I concentrate on the big fellas and I'm happy to catch one big fellow rather than several hundred smaller fish. Um, Does that mean you sometimes go for long periods of time without getting anything? Often go for long periods. You go for weeks, months without getting any fish. But then when you do get one, you usually get four or five together. It just makes it all work for you. Well, no monster carp gave battle with us that afternoon at the loch in Cork. I mean to go back when the weather gets warm again and ask Paddy to teach me a bit more about catching really big fish. In the meantime, for some of the wider issues raised by angling, we return to County Wicklow, where we started. More fishing than you might expect is done in pubs. That's where experiences are shared, theories are propounded, and controversies rage. Around Dublin here, I think that course angling has been neglected in a big way. And as regards to Fuca here... There's been an awful lot of money has been spent to try and develop it into a trout lake. As we know in Dublin, a lot of the older anglers regard it. Um, Blessington Lakes here, Pulafuga, has been one of the best lakes um, 10, 12 years ago. Or up to 12 years ago, it was a fantastic lake. But now it's been stocked very, very heavily by the ESB with the work of the Dublin, Dublin trout anglers and the help of members of the board, with no success at all. And personally, myself, I think it would be the finest, if, uh, if not one of the best uh, coarse fishing lakes in Europe if it was left alone. But I think this, my own personal opinion actually is there's not enough pike. All the, these places around the country where they're taking the pike out and killing them, should be all put in Pulafuga and made a good coarse hanging lake. Some strong views from Rory Harkin, who owns a tackle shop. But of all the controversial subjects, the one that rouses the most heat is pollution. 
While we were making our program, news came through of a major outbreak of water pollution in a lake called Loch Naglach in County Monaghan. We read in the papers about this sort of thing all the time, but we went up ourselves to see what it actually looks like. Well, it's bloody awful, it's the first thing I must say. Within four yards, you can see at least 30 dead bream. Bream up to six and seven pounds weight here, certainly. See the dorsals, look at that little fish. Heavily schooled together trying to get oxygen here from this run of water. Yeah, no. Bloody awful to see that. You... A lot of those fish will be dead by evening, certainly. It's heartbreaking to see that. We're mounting a rescue operation tomorrow. Well, there's one thing... Uh, bring them elsewhere. Those fish can be shifted here to, to yeah. Dick's Lake. Yeah. Shifted anywhere because it was tragic to see fish like that just dying. These fish with their fins showing the times of the water are alive. They're laying there to get whatever bit of oxygen they can get. Uh, I see that the, the, the rescue operation is going to be fairly difficult because the, the, the very nature of the ground around here is very, very shallow. All I can hope is that Indian Fishery Trust will put a good team in here immediately. We have an excellent team coming in the morning. With plenty of equipment and plenty of men to get, to get things moving fast. There's no use delaying even days on this thing. You know, hours count now at this stage. Uh, Luck Nedlack is or has been one of our most beautiful and best lakes in this area. It has always turned up big specimen coarse fish every year and has had the highest um, recorded weight of fish for competition on any lake in the country. Um, it was a very important lake. Immediately after Loch Lake, we have Monolty Lake, and the outflow of Loch Lake is certainly affecting Monolty Lake. Again, this is another lake with exceptionally good stocks of good fish in it. And I feel that if the situation is allowed to continue, it will in time become affected, seriously affected. Some fish were rescued, but many thousands suffocated slowly to death in water that had been robbed of all its oxygen by the effects of effluent. Water pollution is something that affects all fishermen. In fact, it affects everyone who lives in this country. But there's one controversial issue which is peculiar to coarse fishermen. What do you do with your fish when you've caught them? Take pike, for example. The fishermen we met at Pulafuca were killing their fish and throwing them in the bushes to stop them preying on the trout stocks. But Hugh Goff in Cavan returns his fish carefully, almost reverently, to the water where they swim away unharmed. We met some French fishermen near Loch Naglac. They'd been fishing away for pike, blithely unaware that thousands of bream were dying in a nearby lake. What did they do with their pike? French people eat pikes. We are very enjoy of uh, our fishing of uh, uh, today. Uh, we are uh, catch many many pikes and uh, a big one, Tw- twenty seven pounds. En français. En français, oui. Eh bien, euh, j'étais avec mon collègue. Nous avions déposé euh, cinq lignes au bord de, de la rive. Et en fin de matinée, euh, ce brochet est venu se, se piquer sur la ligne centrale. The Frenchmen were very excited and not without reason. They took 60 pike, weighing nearly 300 pounds, back to Paris with them. But a visiting English fisherman we talked to didn't agree with this at all. Certainly the, the biggest problem, as I see it over here at the moment, is the amount of pike that are killed. Um, certainly this has increased over the last two or three years. We hear many stories of um, mass slaughtering of the pike, which obviously is um, and could cause problems in years to come here. 
And uh, who's killing the fish? Do you know? Is it English anglers? Or no, it's, it's, it's not English anglers, it's not Irish anglers. It's the Continentals who enjoy eating the pike, and therefore they fill in their deep freezers and uh, pay for the holiday at the same time, as I understand it. The arguments will rage on for generations. One man who has to take all these divergent feelings into account and cater for the many different types of angler is Sean McMorrow. He's the general manager of the Inland Fisheries Trust. The trust caters for trout fishermen and sea anglers as well as coarse fishermen. I wanted to know if this ever led to a clash of interest. There is no clash in practical terms. While originally the trust was set up to arrest the decline in trout fishing, particularly in the major lakes in the west of Ireland and the Midlands, the council of the trust at the time, within a few years of its inception, realised that virtually 80 to 90% of the fresh water of this country was more suitable for coarse fishing than for trout fishing. And as early as 1953 and 54, in conjunction with Bird Falcher, they carried out surveys of the River Shannon catchment from Port Tumnet to Drumshanbo. And they asked local people if they'd be interested in promoting at local level facilities for coarse fishing tourists from England, where the council knew that there were hundreds of thousands of people primarily interested in coarse fishing. There were very few people interested in coarse fishing in this country at the time. So since then, we have evolved ways and means of using coarse fishing where it is of prime value as a definite attraction for tourists and also for any local people that want to take part in it. But there is still a large body of water available and being developed by the Trust for the trout angler, both the local trout angler and for the visitor as well. Do you find then that uh, coarse fishing development is principally for foreigners, for tourists, rather than for Irish people today? Well, of necessity, the demand is from the foreigners, particularly from uh, across the Channel and in recent years from continental countries like Germany, Belgium, Holland and, and France. And, and how do you go about developing coarse fishing in a country? Is it a scientific job or does it involve developing uh, waters and access to waters and stocking waters on the spot or what? Well, in the first instance, we had to start from scratch studying the biology of coarse fish in this country, something which I may say is rather unique that hasn't been done to any great extent outside of Russia. We had to start in the 60s to find out how the various species are distributed throughout the country, how they spawn, what competition they have from other fish, how they progress, and getting all the biological data that was necessary to base a programme for their development. Now, the development as such is very inexpensive and straightforward. There is very little, if any, restocking of fish to be done. We have a wide variety of excellent coarse fish species in this country, such as bream, tench, rudd, some carp perch and pike, of course. And these are species that are in great demand with the visiting angler. More recently, a lot of our own fishing enthusiasts are turning to coarse fishing, particularly as it's a full year-round sport that can be enjoyed winter and summer alike. And, well, in the course of making this programme, we went to, to a lake... Lochnaglack. Lochnaglack, that's right, uh, where we saw um, a number of bream dying of pollution. Is this a big problem today in this country? Well, unfortunately, pollution is becoming an increasing threat 
to all forms of fishing in this country, but in the context of coarse fishing, it is a sad fact that in areas which are primarily coarse fishing areas, such as the Arden system and the Upper Shannon system, involving counties Monaghan, Cavan, Leitrim and Roscommon, in recent years they have had a considerable amount of pollution. Some of it is sporadic, such as happened in Loch Lack last week, where you had some thousands of lovely bream were killed. And in fact, it's an example that in our years in the Trust, we haven't discovered, I don't think before, a lake that was completely devoid of oxygen a week ago when we carried out our investigations there. We saved quite a number of fish and transferred them to other waters that were clean. But it is most regrettable that, for one reason or another, pollution is on the increase in these counties and is a severe threat to the tremendous future that coarse fishing has for expansion in these and other areas. Uh, and what is this future? What problems and challenges does your job hold in the future in developing coarse fishing in Ireland? Well, up to the present, we have provided space for 10,000 anglers fishing on water spread around nine or ten counties at any given time. All that space isn't being used at the moment, but we would hope when things revert to normal within a short period that that space will be fully taken up. We have an an advanced programme of surveys of waters. In the past seven or eight years, we have surveyed over 800 lakes for suitability for either trout or coarse fishing development. Over 90% of these are suited to coarse fishing. So that the future of coarse fishing in terms, A, of the demand from across the channel and from the continent is tremendous. You have upwards of 2 to 3 million anglers in Britain and 4 to 5 million on the continent who would enjoy our coarse fishing. Here we have the waters available for them. It is our job with an expanding programme to provide the facilities for them whereby they can get from the nearest roadway to a lake bank and fish in comfort there. I can, I can see how this is very important to anyone in this country who's a fisherman, but to people who aren't fishermen and who are still paying for this development out of their taxes, is it important for them? Is there a good return on their investment? Well, the, the return is absolutely outstanding. For instance, between 1957 and the end of last year, the period in which we've been involved in it. We have spent less than £350,000 on our development work opening up coarse fishing waters at about 80 centres in the country. The turnover from angling visitors last year, 1974, was of the order of £2 million and this year will be in excess of that. So that in two years alone, over £4 million has come in for an expenditure in the previous 17, 18 years of 350000 But through all these statistics all the arguments and the controversies, I was haunted by images and sounds from that glorious autumn day in County Cavan when Hugh Goff showed us what coarse fishing is really all about. A lot of it has to do with the, with the peace and quiet of the countryside in which you are and that you, you, you forget everything else that's all around you, all the troubles and bothers of the world. You're, you're sitting there and you're, you're just looking at the float and looking at the water in front of you and you raise your eyes and look around at the nice scenery and you see the odd birds flying around and you cock your ears and you hear birds singing and you forget everything that's going on 